0: Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm.
1: Melbourne's Drive Time Radio program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainways.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia.
0: I would like to begin by paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional custodians of the land on which I am coming to you from today. Land where at Brainwaves we tell our stories, and land where the traditional custodians have told their stories for many, many years before us, and continue to tell their stories. I would like to pay my respects to Elders past and present, and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners who are listening today.
1: Welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR 8.55am. My name is Evan and today we have Hannah Freewell on the show. Hannah will be talking to me about her lived experience of mental health and what has driven her to take steps to study and further understand her condition, not only as a psychiatric illness, but what has caused her psychosis in a spiritual context. Welcome, Hannah, to Brainwaves.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Evan. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Um. Might as well just kick off. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to discover you had mental illness? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so um, my, my background um, is I, I grew up in a, in a fairly uh, spirituality-informed environment. I, I actually grew up in, in the Pentecostal church and um, found a lot of meaning in my faith. And I really felt like a real sense of identity and community um, within that uh, tradition. Um, However, when I was 18, as a young person having just graduated high school, I um, experienced um, an episode of ill health that resulted in my hospitalization in the public mental health system for two months. And um, it was quite shocking, really, uh, to experience uh, the mental health system from the inside um but also as an involuntary patient um and um I um was told by psychiatrists that what I was experiencing was an episode of psychosis um however um I've since then gone on a journey of um reframing that experience through a spirituality lens and um reframing it as a lived spiritual emergency um you know, I do. I do appreciate um, you know the, the value of a biomedical approach, but it sometimes it can help people and sometimes it can hinder them. And I think we need more yeah. holistic approaches. And I work from a biopsychosocial spiritual framework. And for me, my spirituality and um, having a spirituality lens, applying a spirituality lens to my own living experience has um, has been the most empowering thing that has set me free really in many ways and mm. uh, transformed my relationship to my mental health journey. Wow,
1: that's really great. Um, so what kind of things you found help more specifically? Like I know you do dance and kind of thing. Um, you love nature. Mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, when I came out of hospital, um the most logical thing that I knew ha- what to do was, you know, let's go back to church. <laughs> and I thought that would help. um But I realised that actually, it's it's not. It was it wasn't an accessible environment for me. I couldn't just slot back in the way I used to. It I had changed, and my yeah. lived experiences had meant that my my faith somehow didn't make sense in light of my lived experiences. And so I went on this journey of asking a lot of questions and not finding many answers, but I learned to find a home in curiosity. And um, I also went on a journey of, of realising and, and, and trying to discover where, where God or the divine could be outside of an institution, um, and that led me to places like nature, to my grandmother's garden, to... Um, to the beach you know um to the open spaces but also led me to art in many ways um which uh you know I I ended up studying a dance degree (laughs) and um finding ways to literally move through my experiences and also finding language for what I had been for through because I didn't feel like talk therapy was ever going to be enough like I, I, I actually couldn't find words for it a lot of the time and mm. only you know words only really described a portion of what my human experience had been as a patient but also as someone experiencing mental or psychological distress and so um, through um, through dance and movement practices but also through painting and poetry and music and um,
1: a whole range of things multimodal
0: arts filmmaking i made a film you know like yeah. i i just i i needed the arts as a way to survive literally and also mm. as a way to make meaning and find new language and a way to express and document what i had been through and i feel like in many ways my spirituality um you know was expressed through my art practice and still is expressed through my art practice so it's been a, a real asset and a gift really uh, to explore, and I think a huge huge way that for me to find healing and, and um, make meaning out of my experiences.
1: It's not just one thing that that helps, it's a whole whole range of little things that all combined, you tend to find the meaning and you find more balance and your feet again after such a harrowing ordeal because I, I' found that with myself.
0: Yeah. I mean, Patricia, Pat Deegan talks about personal medicine. She talks about um, how the things that we do in life, they don't have to be taking prescribed medication, but the things that we do to stay well can be like our personal medicines. It's the things that we apply to ourselves. So what you're talking about and, and, you know, our shared experiences, but just the things that we do, like for me, going for a walk with my dog or going to the beach or um, doing dance or Art practice—they're they, all ways that I apply personal medicine to myself as
1: well. So. Mm. And you can't just put your life on hold and say, "Right, stop everything. I'm going to get well," because your life goes on. You know, every day. You know, you can't just stop everything, can you? And say, "Right, I'll just take medicine and I'll get better." It's uh, it's a balance between living and and recovery and everything. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's very true.
1: You're studying to improve your knowledge and qualifications to work more with mental health and spirituality. Tell us a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah. So I mentioned that I did a bachelor degree in dance and then um, I went on to study a grad depth in pastoral care and I'm now enrolled in a master's of spiritual care. Well, master's focusing on spiritual care, and mental health. And um, really, I went into this field because I couldn't find practitioners anywhere that could support me on this sort of pathway. So I had this theory that if I study it, maybe I can apply the knowledge and learnings and wisdom to myself personally in my own healing journey. And then maybe I can support others through their own healing journey as well. And so as part of my training, I've done uh, this, um, this thing called clinical pastoral education, which Sounds very, very religious, but actually, it's a model or a pedagogy for applied learning that's really about action, reflection, um, action learning. It's, you know, in, in most other uh, academic environments, um, it's a one way learning process, and you were just regurgitating information, learning all the mm-hmm. theories. And, you know, I, I did a second major for my bachelor in psychology, and it was very much just Load yourself up with information and theories so that you can fix people, <laughs> and um, <laughs> I didn't it quite well. So um, this this modality of applied learning, clinical postural education, has really helped me learn how to reflect about my practice and do this thing called critical reflection and integrative reflection as well. So uh, thinking about how my lived experience, as well as professional experience, as well as cultures, as well as um, you know gender b- and other you know professional backgrounds and of course spirituality or theology how that all comes together and supports me to walk alongside other people who are trying to make meaning out of the mess of life and um you know clinical pastoral education has it, really been a the core of my postgraduate training in spiritual care and um it uh has has offered me so much in going on a personal journey of reconciling or finding congruence with my own lived experiences and also my professional outlook in spiritual care, which, of course, includes some elements of peer support and, um, mm. of course, lived experience. Um, and this is this is actually the training program that spiritual care practitioners go through. Um And um, my goal out of all of this is is not to be um, necessarily a spiritual care practitioner or not to be necessarily a peer mental health practitioner, but it's to be an agent of healing wherever I go. And, um, yeah, that's that's the journey I'm on. Um, That's what my master's is looking at as well. I'm planning on doing a research thesis, exploring peer support, lived experience, spiritual care. and also uh, reconciling the discipline of spiritual care back to its consumer roots because the founding father of clinical pastoral education was also an involuntary mental health service user. So um, I, uh, his name's Anton Boyson and um, I fangirl about him every day. So, um, (laughs) um, you know, we, we sometimes forget you know, I feel like spiritual or pastoral care fields sometimes forget that lived experience is at the start of this and um and I think it actually has a lot to offer the lived experience sector and mental health reforms that we're seeing across Victoria and the rest of Australia as well at the moment.
1: Yeah, I wish I could have met someone like that when I first became unwell because I had no answers. I was just told I was schizophrenic and the whole spiritual side I was suffering just ignored. So I just suffered that in silence really. I you know, still still today I still have trouble getting any understanding that yeah. side of things. Um can you tell us a little bit about the holistic sort of bio psych psychosocial spiritual model of mental health? What does that yeah. really mean?
0: Absolutely. Well, I mean, there's this buzzword across Healthcare and mental (laughs) health care, person-centred care. We aspire for person-centred care. And um, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think we can achieve person-centred care if we are not prepared to deal with holistic care, which includes spirituality. Um, And in my lived experience, I've been kind of through a journey of being in, you know, religious or spiritual environments that um, don't have much literacy for complex mental health. And then I've been in complex mental health environments like psych wards um, that don't have much think of spirituality, and there's this um, there's this bridge that needs to be built between the two of them. Um, and I've really I've witnessed a lot of like psychiatrists in my experience. Um, there's almost like this pathologizing pathologization process that happens towards someone who's experiencing what is called psychosis, but what I would also call spirituality or a spiritual emergency. And um, instead of, you know, there's clinicians that instead of having tools to know how to work through that, it's just shut it down, numb it down. You know, like let's let's just avoid it all. And the reality is my healing journeys come from actually opening that box and unpacking some of those um you know, there's experiences that, you know, I think could be, you know, a gift, you know, like it can be reframed as a gift to yeah. experience this rather than just, you know, you need to be cast to the side of society, you yeah. know, numbed yeah, have- to your experiences as well, which is, is mm. tough. It can be tough.
1: <laughs> yeah, I interviewed Louisa, not- not too long ago about she had the same attitude that her psychosis was actual positive thing. It wasn't something to be feared or, you know, she, yeah. Yeah. You found it difficult to find pastoral care when you're in hospital. Um, What do you think can be done to improve this for clients?
0: Mm, that's a really good question. And I think, you know, I look back to the history of the mental health system in Victoria, for example, uh, and pre deinstitutionalization in the 90s, there was actually a very strong presence of, um, you know, what we called back then chaplaincy, mental health chaplaincy. And we have a really strong history um, of offering, you know, what I feel is quite holistic care and um, compassionate support for mental health service users and um, when the system was deinstitutionalized in the 90s all of the funding for mental health chaplaincy dissipated and um we've been trying to pick up the pieces ever since i feel (laughs) and so we're now at this another another reform period um you know at, at least in victoria and we're asking questions like um How do we achieve person-centred care? And um, what does true healing look like? And um, I'd really love to see there be funding allocated to support the growth of a workforce around spiritual care, Um, noting that spiritual care is actually, um, you know, not aimed at giving religious support necessarily. It's actually aimed to address the needs of, um, of a broader clientele uh supporting with more secular uh you know it can be religious or non-religious spiritual mm-hmm. care and um I am on the journey of of training myself up so that I can be providing these sorts of services but you know you need more than one person yeah. to offer this and my my hope and my goal would actually be to train up um a whole peer workforce uh to deliver uh intentional peer support that is a specialist. Uh, service inclusive of spirituality which involves quite comprehensive training and um, and you know it it involves um, an investment in in the future of the workforce Um, and of course we must acknowledge that spiritual and pastoral care services do exist across
1: Mm. many
0: hospitals Um, however there has never been you know there, there hasn't been comprehensive funding allocated to the mental health space and so as a result, um, we get sidelined a lot, and that's really unfortunate. Because, as far as I'm concerned, if you if you're a patient of mental health services or you're a patient of physical health services, you're still human with human needs. Mm-hmm. And if you have human needs, you have needs for spirituality and spiritual care. Um, you know that's that's just the bottom line. And so, um, I'd love to see the future of human centered care inclusive of spirituality.
1: Yeah, I did meet a, when I was in hospital, I did meet a lady who was doing pastoral care, but it was very Christian based. There wasn't much room for movement. It was sort of Mm. pretty fixed on belief in Jesus and that Mm. kind of thing. If, If you don't have those beliefs, if you're more Buddhist or just more, just a new age thinker, I suppose there wasn't much really support for that kind of thing
0: yeah and it's a really a really good point to make because you know the history in this space has predominantly been more christian focused but um we are seeing more of an interfaith um space emerge but um there is training available um and emerging and spiritual health association um are at the peak body for um supporting the the development of um spiritual care in health services um, which you know it it does actually they aspire to meet the needs of every person not just someone that might you know identify of as you know a certain religion or denomination it's actually how do we um, support more holistic care but also meet you where you're at it's Mm -hmm. not about an agenda or it's not about conversion it's actually about how do you make meaning out of these experiences how do you find hope how do you find connection and purpose and identity and um how can we bring you back to yourself um and your relationship with something higher something bigger you know Mm. which might take different forms for different people and and might have different names for different people and um it's not actually about um you know, the the it's not about me telling you what what you should believe in. It's actually about like no, like what gives you energy? What's your life source? You know, like how can we how can we reconnect to you with those parts of your essence that um, that do give you that sense of meaning, purpose, identity, hope, connection? You know, that's that's really I feel like those um, elements are actually part of any personal recovery journey, and yeah. um, should be regarded uh, as such as an essential ingredient for um, mental health service users.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, You're a strong believer in empowering or reclaiming self from a crisis. What was your experience of this?
0: Yeah, good question. Well, I think for me, um, learning how to have agency after, you know, In my experience, my agency was taken away. My rights were taken away. My sense of self-determination was taken away. And I had to learn how to find my power again and step back into the driver's seat sort of thing of my life. Like the reality is that um, my future is my future, you know, and I actually do have the power to determine what it is and you know, it was eight years ago that I was an involuntary patient and I just look back at that and I feel like it's a lifetime ago. Like I just, there's so much that has happened in that time, but, you know, with the reforms across the mental health system that we're seeing at the moment, there are so many opportunities for people with experience to get in the driver's seat and tell us what you feel, tell us what you think needs to be done in order to heal this broken system. And, um, you know, I, I actually think um, my process of finding my, you know, my my power, reclaiming my power, I, I did that through art. I, I made a film, it's called Sincerely Survivor the Dance Film and um, basically um, I told my story in response to the Royal Commission of the Mental Health System and I told my story of the system, not through a public hearing but through dance and movement and poetry and filmmaking Mm. and um for me that was where I found my agency again and then you know presented it to a public audience Melbourne Fringe Festival in 2020 and then we've toured since then and it's just really helped me shift gears into and really get this car moving so to speak yeah um and you know now I'm I'm you know involved in a lot of leadership across the mental health system around uh, reform. So, um, yeah, I'm a firm believer in um, getting a really good tribe around you, getting people that are like-minded and that, um, you know, are going somewhere and believe in themselves and believe in you. I think that's a really key ingredient. Um, And then also finding your common humanity as well. Um, finding your sense of common ground and that's really connected to spirituality I feel um and when we feel like we're part of something bigger when we feel like we're part of a movement because that's what we're in right now a consumer movement um you realize that oh gosh I'm not alone and I have a sense of purpose and I I'm contributing to something bigger than myself and I think that's given me a lot of meaning and it's given a lot of people, a lot of other people meaning, and it drives us forward. So, yeah, we we need to create the future for the mental health system. That's what the Royal Commission has said. Like it needs to be centering lived experience because we're the ones that hold the keys to open the door for a future that's better than our past.
1: Definitely. Um, now you've been through psychosis, how does God fit into the picture? Do you, are you still a strong believer in God or do you, has that changed your beliefs?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question. I um I am a strong believer in God. I, I my faith is a huge part of my life and um I went on a bit of a journey, really, <laughs> to work out well. If that wasn't God, or if that wasn't healthy, or if that didn't feel safe, what is God like? Where is God like? This is this is the the question. Or this was the question of my life, and t- to be honest, I still have lots of questions. Um, and I, through all of this, I, I kind of realised that God doesn't necessarily have to be in a church or in a in worship or in the sacraments. For me, I see God everywhere. Like it, he's in, in the in-between moments, in my relationships, in um, my dance practice, my walks along the beach, my dog, you know, like there is beauty in all of that. And I think when we start looking for the image of the divine, the essence of the divine in the everyday moments, in the in-between everyday moments, mm. you start to notice the more and more and I think that that has changed me and it's changed my theology as well. Um, but I know that wherever I go, like, the divine is with me, that, that God is there. And I think that's, you know, that's how, how I get my energy, my, you know, tower source in my life, to keep on going when times are tough and just to know that, I will come through, and that even though I suffer now, even though I might experience mental distress or illness, or I might need to go to hospital again, I know that I will come through the other side. And you know, my faith—my faith—is actually what gets me through. Um, and I think it brings us together in ways it should. Good, good spirituality brings us together it does not divide us so mm. um yeah i hope does that kind of answer your question
1: <laughs> yeah be free to say whatever you like <laughs> <laughs> um so do you have a website or, or some way people can contact you about your work you're doing and you know to follow up um maybe your dance stuff or other work you're doing your pastoral stuff
0: yeah, absolutely. So I have a website. I have two actually. One is com, and we can pop that in the show notes for today and um, also um, sincerelysurvivor.org. Um, those are the two places you can find me. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as lived experience consultant. Um, so you can connect with me there as well. Um, but um, yeah, I'm really, really um, just grateful to be on this journey Um Of reform but also asking more questions than i have answers at the moment but asking questions of what does healing look like as we walk alongside each other individually but also corporately as a mental health system what what could that healing look like and um for me spirituality is a bedrock for all of that so yeah yeah
1: oh thanks so much hannah for sharing your story today with us on brainwaves it's nice to hear from someone else who has an understanding of spirituality, is highly saturated area of medicine with fixed beliefs in the physical methods of treating psychosis with medications, which of course are important as well. It may be helpful or, and even essential at times, but I think there's sometimes more to it than just here's your meds and take them and suffer in silence. I think the more we talk about our true nature, that maybe it's not all just the physical reality for some, that spirituality can play a big part in how we have contracted a disease or altered reality, and also how we treat that problem too. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Evan. See
1: so, you later. See you. Listening to 3CR, 855 AM radio.
0: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.